going to ask Andrew to come now, scripture reading, prayer time. As we pray today, we remember uh, the McLean family and the loss of uh, grandson to Amy, the, the son of your eldest boy, the loss there. So we remember that family and the McLean family in prayer as well. Andrew? I'm going to ask Joseph if he would come up for our first scripture reading. We're going to have two scripture readings, and in a couple minutes we'll ask Peter to come up for the second one. Uh, the first scripture reading is from the Old Testament in Joshua chapter 24, and um, here in this passage, Joshua reminds the people of Israel how, though they were undeserving, God had graciously given to them what they had not earned and what they did not deserve. Joshua then calls the people to make a decision to fear the Lord and to serve Him with sincerity and in truth. Okay, I'll be reading in Joshua 24, verse 13, 15. And I have given you a land from which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them. And the vineyards and all yards which ye planted not, did ye eat. Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve them with sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if ye seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose lands ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Thank you. And we pray that's the decision each one of us will make. When we choose who we will serve, that we will serve the Lord. Let us pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today knowing that you are the one, that when we serve you, you are the one that actually can do something. You are the one who is the true God. Lord, you are not like the idols or, or other false things that people might put their affections on or put their trust in. You are the God who created the heavens and the earth. You are the God that made us. You are the God that sacrificed to make the way through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we could be saved and we could have new life in your family. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you care about us, but you care and you listen when we call to you. Lord, we bring uh, thanksgiving before you today. We thank you for the daily provision of the air we breathe, of the food we eat. Lord, we thank you even today for the sun that shines in and warms us, both physically and warms our hearts. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, we also uh, bring before you our need, our need of you, Lord, our need of your intervention in our lives. Lord, we pray for the McGlade family and their loss. We pray that you would bring your special comfort to them. And Lord, that you would help them uh, through this hard time. Lord, we also uh, pray for others in the, in the congregation here who have had sickness. We think of Eliana Smith and Lord, her ongoing needs. And Lord, we pray that you would help the upcoming tests to, to bring direction. And Lord, bring healing in her young life. Lord, we thank you. Um, I, I pray also, Lord, today, uh, we got a text yesterday from a sister-in-law about a young man, Nathan Libby, who is missing. And the police found his truck by a lake, but his ATV is missing. But a friend received a call saying, I need help. And so, Lord, we just pray that uh, this young man could be found. And Lord, that brings us 
uh, with such need in all of our lives, need to be right with you. We never know what day or what hour that we will uh, meet you face to face and will be answerable. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, this day today that you have given us, this day that you have given us to, to turn our heart back to you, Lord, to, to repent and trust in you if we have not, Lord, to reaffirm and to commit afresh, Lord, to allow you to be the Lord of our life. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'll ask Peter if he'll now come. And we're going to turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Alright, so that's the Ephesians chapter 3, and starting in verse number 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family of in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by the Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, and ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge and ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. This is God's word. Now, Andrew, Andrew, I must admit, before Michael came and gave me a little explanation of what was happening in the back with a step ladder and so on, I thought, an object lesson. <laughs> yes, sometime we'll have to get that step ladder up here for an object lesson. <laughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, we commit this time of study of your word to you. Lord, we ask that you would open our hearts to your word, Lord, that as we look into the things you have written here, Lord, we remember that you wrote these things in your word, the Bible, for our learning, Lord, so that we can learn of you, Lord, that we can learn uh, what you have instructed us, Lord, we can learn how we can have that special relationship with you. So, Lord, we ask you to prepare our hearts and open our hearts to what you have to say. And, Lord, we pray that the words and the things that we look into, Lord, would be in line with you and what you, you would say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, in the new family of God, the last time I spoke, we looked at the first two chapters of Ephesians, and we read of how we were, and you may remember if you were here, uh, these little papers, how we were dead. We were dead in sin. That's in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Then also how we were offered and received redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. There in Ephesians 2, 4 to 5 and 8, and chapter 1, verse 7. So we received redemption through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then also, we were not only forgiven of our sins, but we were adopted into the family of God by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we were made family. And we received an inheritance, the inheritance of a purpose, the gift of God's purpose. And then we have the gift and purpose to be, to be praise to the glory of our Heavenly Father, Ephesians 1, 
verses 12 and 13. We learned how the purpose we inherited was not just to praise God, but to be praised unto God. So today we will be learning uh, in the Bible from Ephesians chapter 4. And I summarize this chapter with the title, Life in the New Family of God. So if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, I'd like now to read the chapter here for us so we get the whole chapter in its entirety in the, the order that God had it laid out here for us. So let's read Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended, that what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, but by the, or by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But, speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body is fitly joined and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not learned so of Christ. If so, that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, your conversation means your life, uh, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not, let the sun not go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. 
And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. This is Ephesians chapter 4. So if you look back at verse 1, we will see here that it talks about walking worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. That we're beseeched, we're, we're pleaded with to walk worthy. And walk is to, to conduct one's life. Worthy is in an honorable way respecting your new position in Christ Jesus and that you are part of the family of God. Your vocation, to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, your vocation is, is your calling with which God has called you, the, what he's called you to. We need to realize the special place we have in Christ. We need to live honoring and fulfilling the purpose that God has called you to. You are now a child of the King, Conduct yourself in a way that is honoring him. Here, this morning, see this big vase in the middle? This is going to represent us today. Uh, we're gonna to pretend this vase is a person, is a, a new Christian. And, and, and this is representing our new life in the family of God. Let's look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, With all lowliness, meekness, and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Here we need to realize how God has and is working in us. In lowliness. That we need to be developed. These are things we need to be developing. Um, lowliness is having a humble opinion of oneself. Not to be in depression, but to be humble, looking for ways to encourage others versus being proud. So we are to be lowly. Um, we are to be long-suffering. We are to be patient. We are to be forbearing, forbearing one another in love. Uh, forbearing is to, to bear with, to, to sustain or endure, and, and we need to be patient as we are living for the Lord, as we are walking, um, following the way that he is leading. Let's read verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. To endeavor, there it says endeavoring, um, that's to exert oneself, to give diligence to something. And what did it say? It didn't just say endeavor to keep the unity, it says endeavoring. And that ing, that's something that you continue to do. Now, I know in our family this is something we need to, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. Uh, your family with, with many children, there are often things that happen between people. And we need to be peacemakers. We need to be endeavoring, not just say, I endeavored. We need to be endeavoring to develop this peace in our, in our families and in our walk with, with Christ. And in our walk with other fellow believers. Okay, to keep... To keep is to take care of, to guard. So we need to guard. We need to guard that unity. We need to, that unity is agreement. It's, it's being, being one together. And if we're really going to have unity, it needs to be unity in Christ. Because he is true. And as fellow believers, we can be united in Christ. And that will help us to have that peace and that, that 
that spirit, that unity with Christ. And what does it say? The unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So uh, God's spirit, we need to have unity allowing Christ's spirit, the Holy Spirit, to have control of us, to, to help us to be bonded together. Um, what does it mean to be bonding? Bonding is to is to bear with, to sustain, to endure. Um, we need the peace to keep the followers of Jesus united in his Holy Spirit. Let's read verses 4 to 6. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. These verses remind us that there is only one Lord and Savior. There is only one true body of believers in Christ Jesus. There is only one true faith. There is only one true God and Father of all. God created this world and he holds the ultimate responsibility. He works through everything that he has made. He works and he has the ultimate authority. He cares for his creation. There is only one way, one promise of eternal life, and that is through Christ Jesus. God gives his Holy Spirit to be in those that have been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, before we were saved, before we repented, and receive the forgiveness and cleansing through Christ, through the blood of Christ, before we were adopted into the family of God, the old man of our hearts was filled with sin. And this uh, black cloth, this is going to represent our old life. Our old life, we were filled with sin before we received the cleansing of Christ. Verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So, grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now, we recognized our need of being saved from the judgment to come. We confessed and turned from our sin to believe on Christ Jesus, the Son of God, who died on the cross paying the penalty for our sin and for those who trust in him. Some have been given grace by great measure, some by lesser, but all of us were guilty before the righteous God and unworthy of having our sins forgiven and no way entitled to the blessed gift of new life in him. All our sin, all our sin made us sinners, whether you know, you could, you could try to look at your life and say, oh, I don't have as much sin as somebody else. This guy is overflowing. You know? <laughs> but the reality is we have all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We are all condemned. If you're condemned, you can be condemned for a little or much, but you're still condemned. And we all needed that salvation through Christ. So we recognized our need of being saved from the judgment to come. We confessed and turned from our sin to believe upon Christ Jesus and believed in him dying on the cross for us. And, uh, but this is a reminder of how we once were. Let's look at verse eight, eight through 10. Ephesians four, eight through 10. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended, what is it, but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that ascended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Jesus Christ came down to earth. First John tells us that the world was made through the Word, and Jesus Christ is the Word, uh, as it, John also tells us, 
And without him, nothing was made that was made. So we see that Jesus made the world. He was in creation. The world was made through Jesus. And yet Jesus came down to this earth. He came down as that little baby uh, born in the stable. Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth as a baby born of the Virgin Mary. He lived a sinless life. He taught and was an example and died in our place. He rose to life again and then ascended up into heaven and has promised to return again and gather his following to himself and to the place that he has prepared for them. The Bible also tells us that Jesus will ultimately judge the whole world. Verses 11 and 12. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Jesus, our Savior, has given differing purposes to each of us, his disciples or followers. Look there at verse 12. What are these for? These different gifts. Verse 11, it lists different gifts. Uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. And, and why? Why did God give differing gifts to each of those who have been cleansed through him? Verse 12 tells us, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. There, God knew we needed to be built up. We needed to be instructed, to be trained, to be strengthened. And God has a purpose for each one of us to help each other in that. Looking to Christ, who is the one who works daily in our lives as we are surrendered to him. Verse 13, we all need these things until we are united in heaven with Christ. And let's look at what these things are in verse 13. What do we need until we are united in heaven with Christ? Um, these things that we just had, we need the pastors and teachers. We need the evangelists. We need um, our lives. We need the perfecting. Until, verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now that's a long process. That's a process where we're, we're not going to be perfectly like Christ until we are with him in heaven. But God has given us those varying gifts. For each of us to be encouraging each other to be not not copying each other we're to be allowing christ to be the one that we are seeking to imitate and to become like uh, verse 14 that henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lay in wait to deceive. We need the help of God and fellow believers who are no longer to be wishy-washy people who believe everything that we are told by those who want to twist the Bible to fit into the way they want to live. So we don't want to be, this verse 14, it warns us, don't be like children that get tossed and to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. But, what's the but? Verse 15. But, speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So, God does not want us to remain children. He does not want us to remain like children, just eating. There's another passage in the Bible that says, don't continue just eating milk of the word. You know, you want to get up to, you want to grow. So here, we don't want to be children tossed to and fro. We want to, verse 15, grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So as a child, a child 
needs to be watching adults and learning to be like them, learning to, from their good, their good examples, learn from the good examples, not the bad examples. But children are to be growing into adults. They're not to be learning to be children. They're to be learning to be adults. And that's what God desires us to grow up to be like Christ. So we need to be watching him. Verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto edifying of itself in love. The one true body has Christ as its head. The true body of believers who follow Christ Jesus and gather in his name, they are called the church. Sometimes the word church is used more to refer to a building or a set of religious traditions than to remember that the church is people under Christ. If a person gives their primary allegiance and obedience to following a religious organization, but is not obeying the true head Christ, it's possible that they have not truly surrendered their lives and, and committed themselves to the Lordship of Christ. It is a possibility that they're not part of the true body. If a church encourages people to think they are pleasing God because they are becoming like others in the group, this can also be a deception. God is truly pleased when we are under Christ, that he is directing us, his body, as we gather as the local church. Working together under Christ's headship causes growth in our lives and true increase in the church. Verse 17 through 19. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened. Now, as we're reading this, um, this verse, let's think of this little cup here. This little cup I've entitled the world and sin. So this, is, this cup is going to represent these verses here. Okay, so it's saying in verse 17, Walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness, So, verse 17 starts with saying, this comes from the Lord. What's he say? What, what is Paul as he's writing this? He's saying, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord. So this is saying, this, what I'm saying, this is the Lord's message to you. Don't walk as the Gentiles walk. Yeah, this comes from the Lord. We are not to live as unbelievers do. While they think that they are so knowledgeable, they are tricked and deceived in their hearts. So they now think sin and wickedness are good and acceptable and praiseworthy. So the world, it thinks, it likes to think that, that sin is good and it's acceptable. So here I have some stuff to put in this world cup here. So this is representing sin in the world. Sin stains a life. Sin has an effect, and it, it clouds one's perceptions. The world is corrupted by sin and stains, stained with the deceptions of the evil one. Let's look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, 
So we've just talked about the world. The world's done this, and we've just been given that instruction, saying the Lord is telling you, walk not as other Gentiles walk. And after we looked at what the world contained in verses 18 and 19, verse 20, Ephesians 4.20 says, But ye have not so learned Christ. So you haven't learned those things from Christ. The idea of thinking that what God has said is sin can now be justified and encouraged as personal expression, this thinking does not come from following what Christ has taught. Taking what God and nature declare and show to be sinful lifestyle choices and turning them into practices which are promoted and defended as human rights and unchangeables, this does not come from Christ Jesus and has no part in him. So this verse uh, 20 here reminds us that we have not learned those things that the world is trying to convince us that we have not learned those from Christ. Verses 21 and 22. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that he put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. So here we see that the truth is that Jesus taught his followers we are to take off the previous lifestyles and sins. We will see later in verse 24 that putting off is needed so that we can put on the new man. Christ Jesus is the only one who can make this transformation in us. And this new man that God desires is patterned after God according to his righteousness and holiness. Thankfully, God has made his help available to those who call upon him. Okay, so here we're going to remove this rag represented our old life, our old man. We're going to remember how we called out to Christ and asked him to cleanse us. And he removed the old man. He removed the old man from our life. Okay, let's read verses uh, 23 through 24. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So here we need to allow Christ to remove the old man by repenting of our sin and saying, I'm, I'm turning to Christ, turning away from our sin, that past man, and I'm allowing Christ to give me that salvation and new life in him. So um, our, we want to um, allow, allow Christ to put on this new man. And Ephesians uh, verse 30, later, we will also see how the Holy Spirit of God is grieved by sin and unrighteousness that is allowed to remain in a life. Um, we are to put on righteousness, put on and mirror the true holiness of God. Some think that because God forgives sin, and God forgives us of our sin, and attributes Christ's righteousness to us, some think that because Christ forgives our sin and attributes Christ's righteousness to us as being part of the family of God, um, some would say, oh, God can't see any any sin, and, and yet here um, God does see. Romans 6 verse 1 and 2 begins to address this by asking the question, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? This question is answered with, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So when we come to Christ, we receive living water. 
through him. We're going to read, uh, we're first going to add some living water. We have here living water. As Christ removes the old man, he gives us a new man, uh, white as snow. Okay, in Isaiah 1, verse 18, it says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And we have that position through Christ, where God looks at us and, and he sees Christ. He sees the position we have in the family of God, and that position is we are clothed in the holiness of Christ. Okay, let's look down at verses 25 to 29. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not, let the sun go down upon your wrath. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good, that he may have to give to him that need it. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. These verses list, list some of the changes to our character, lives, and actions that God desires, and that show the reflection of Christ Jesus in our life. Uh, in verse 25, we see truthfulness, for we care about others. Uh, tempering our thoughts and actions to recognize sin and wrong as contrary to God's truth. And there's instruction about allowing Christ to guard our responses so they bring honor to his righteousness. That's in verse uh, 26, the first part of that. So don't continue in your anger and sin. Um, don't let the sun go down in your wrath. And we we need to recognize and, and allow Christ to guide our responses so they bring honor to his righteousness. We need to be resolving situations and taking proper actions in a timely manner, confessing anger, which is out of God's control, and turning from it before the end of the day. Um, also in James 1, 19 and 20, in James 1, 19 and 20, it says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, or swift to hear, slow to wrath. I might be missing something in my words here. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And that's often one way that we can, what did that verse say? We, we, we're not to be, if, if you get angry, don't sin. Okay, so you might have things that upset you, but don't let that upsetting lead to sin. Respond properly. Forgive. Uh, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Make it right, right away, before the end of the day. Now, verse 27. We need to yield Christ's control of each area of our life. There in 27 it says, Neither give place to the devil. And this is reminding us that if we allow that anger to remain or to build into sin so that we actually respond angrily, uh, we're allowing, what did it say there? Verse 27, the devil to get a place. That means the devil can get a little foothold. You know, when you're rock climbing, you have a little foothold. If you have footholds, someone can climb up. And that's how the devil desires to be. He desires to get a little foothold so he can grab on to, to a believer and disable us from, from what God has in store. Okay, let's... Uh, that was verse 27. Then in verse 28, 
We need to recognize wrong actions in our lives and stop them immediately. 28 says, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good, that he may have to give to him that need it. We need to replace sinful actions with good, diligent work. We need to act to recognize wrong actions in our lives and stop them immediately. We're instructed to be wise with our resources so that we have enough to be able to share with others. Verse 29, have speech that only contains words that honor our Savior. Uh, verse 29 here, let's read that. Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but what that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. So we need to allow Christ to help us have our speech only contain words that honor our Savior, speaking to others in a way that encourages them in God's character to use our words to give forgiveness and hope to those who may have wronged us. Let's look here at um, we're going to look at this Christian here and Look here, Christ can shine through this Christian. The light of Christ can shine. And that helps us to, to reflect Christ's light. As we reflect Christ's light, that is what these verses here reminded us to do. But what happens when a little compromise is allowed to come into a life? Uh, verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. So we don't want to grieve Christ. As followers of Christ, we've been adopted into his family. We need to recognize that God sees our thoughts and actions as his Holy Spirit is living in us. And any sin that a Christian allows in their heart and life brings grief to the Spirit of God. That's what it said in that verse. It said, verse 30, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are called. Now we're going to try a little experiment here to see if we add a little sin. If we allow a little sin and compromise to come into our life. What happens? Ooh. We're almost looking like the world. Now, and that happens quickly. Do you know that a little sin in a Christian looks even worse than in the world? Because the world even looks at a believer and they expect us to be radiating uh, Christ's character. And they, they can identify and see that wrong in us even more clearly. Verse 31. Verse 31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Here we are told uh, to remove these things from our life. But what happens instead if we tolerate them and add even more of these things into our life? Let's add a few more. Whoa. Okay, we are having now let's just try that light let's try the light of Christ if if the light of Christ is trying to shine through us can the world see the light of Christ through us when we allow these little sin to to cloud our witness no no uh, verse 32 the last verse here in this chapter and be ye kind one to another tender-hearted forgiving one another even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So, um, I'm going to read 1 John 1, 5-9. It says here, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. 
If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now this verse we often use in witnessing, but it's actually written to Christians. That if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we talked about a new life as part of the family of God. When you trust Christ, you are brought into the family of God. You receive that position in the family and you receive the righteousness of Christ. So uh, you've been forgiven, you've been given eternal life. And yet we also have the reality in our life. And even God can see the reality in your life. And this verse instructs us that we need to recognize that our witness is clouded and we need to confess our sin and, and come to Christ for forgiveness. And we're going to do an experiment now of uh, we're just gonna add Christ's forgiveness into our life. And when we allow Christ's forgiveness to come into our life, He forgives our sin. And what did that verse say? He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So here we can be so thankful that Christ, He's started that cleansing process and, and we're, we're becoming more, uh, more allowing Him to um, to shine through. Now, doesn't look like our process is completed. <laughs> Let's add some more. <laughs> Let's see what this is up here. We need to allow Christ to to cleanse us. And as He cleanses us, then we also have the opportunity to to have an impact on the world. And our witness in the world, now we see here, we're still a bit stained because of our, our sin, but yet our witness in the world can, can help make an impact in the world. And, our, and the world can be impacted by Christ, who is starting to shine to us again. <laughs> okay, so, so let, we've learned today how God has shown his love for the unlovable, how God has given a purpose to the formerly purposeless, how God has given his grace and called us to mirror his righteousness into this unrighteous world. Hopefully, you are one who has yielded control of your life and purpose to the Lord Jesus Christ. If not, please choose you this day whom you will serve and come to the Savior, confessing your sinfulness and accept the gift of forgiveness and a new life through the sacrifice that Christ Jesus, the Son of God, has made for you on the cross. Thank you. Are you washed in the blood, the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb?